Uh, as usual, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited just to, to be here um, with all of you. Even as I look around, it just it energizes me to see uh, all of these people who I care so much about uh, in the same room together. Um, and so thank you for, for coming and, and for being here. Um, again, we're moving into 1 John. Um, I am excited about this this book and the opportunity to walk through it, the book of 1 John. Um, I want to, we're going to give a little background about John, uh, the book of 1 John. We're going to give a little background about it. And then we are going to walk through, uh, today we're going to walk through 1 John, the first chapter, uh, the first four verses. Uh, but as always, before we do that, let's, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for all of your many blessings and for all that you do for us. Uh, Father, we humble ourselves before you. Um, God, we thank you that you're just so good to us. Um, we thank you for your mercy, uh, your grace, and your love. God, there's not one person here who's here um, by their own accord, God, but because you have pursued us and drawn us to yourself. Um, we are here. And so, God, we give you all glory and honor and praise. We thank you. Um, we lift up your name and, and glorify you, God, in, in all that we say and do and, and think. Um, God, we ask that you dominate this time uh, as if you don't already. Uh, we ask that you dominate this time and manifest yourself uh, in, through your presence um, in a special way. Um, Speak, Father. We need to hear from you. Um, God, forgive us of our sins. We ask that you look on every single heart, God. If there's anything that would hinder us from hearing from you or experiencing you, God, we ask that you remove it. Get it out of the way in the name of Jesus. Uh, be with us, God, now. Now We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just a, a, a little bit about John. John is the son of Zebedee. Uh, John is a disciple. Uh, he is the son of Zebedee. He is the brother of James, who is also a disciple, a uh, follower of Jesus. Uh, it is estimated, uh, historians say, that John came across Jesus when he was around the age of 18. Uh, very young. And Jesus chose him uh, to be a follower of his and to spend time with him intimately. Uh, that this interaction with, with John and 30-year-old and Jesus uh, happened when John was around the age of 18. Uh, it is estimated that this book was written many years later uh, when John was a much older man. He was between... Uh, it is estimated he was between the ages of, of 50 and 70 uh, within that window of time that he wrote um, 1 John, the book of 1 John. Uh, John is the author of the Gospel of John. Um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, which he's probably most famous for. Uh, he's also the author of the book of Revelation. Um, but we're... As it stands here, um, he also wrote uh, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 
And of course, we're going through 1 John. Uh, just a preface, we need to know that uh, some of the things he says, it will seem like, well, it's kind of obvious that he's saying these things. It, will, it may almost seem too elementary. Um, some of the things he's saying is like, well, you know, why would he even have to say that? Shouldn't that go without saying? Um, but the reason for that, the reason we'll see some of that is because this book was written to a group of churches who were being attacked by the false teaching of Gnosticism. And so the Gnostics, uh, as they were called, uh, they believed several different things. Uh, one of the main things that they believed, which was opposite to Christianity, was that Jesus was not God. Um, it is proven, a proven fact, that a man named Jesus walked the earth many years ago. Um, but they did not believe uh, that this man, uh, Jesus, was the Son of God. Um, and, and many others would say uh, of, of the group, that group, the Gnostics, that was trying to infiltrate the church, uh, many of them will say that if he was God, that it was just a spirit, that Jesus was a spirit. And so John, of course, combated this. He combated this in the Gospel of John by coming out the gate and talking about Jesus. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Uh, talked about the Word becoming flesh, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that he was flesh. Uh, and so John is combating that. Uh, and so with that in mind, we're going to start looking at, we're going to look at the first four verses. We're going to read, read through them. Read through the first four. I'm going to close this monitor. All right, it reads as thus. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest. And we have seen it, again, talking about Jesus, and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things, and we we are writing these things. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. All right. The first thing we want to look at is that John is saying that Jesus was experienced in in proving and arguing for Jesus. Where uh, in, in in arguing for Jesus, the first thing he's saying right out of the gate um, is that we experienced him. We experience him. He uses three words, seen, heard, and touched. We saw him, we heard him, and we touched him. And so one of the things that John is trying to communicate to us is that God is to be experienced. God wants you to experience him. You know, we read about it in scripture and we read about 
Daniel in the lion's den. We read about Joseph and uh, we read about David and these great characters uh, that just seem bigger than life. But, and that's all fine and dandy for, for us to read about these guys and that they had uh, interactions with God. And that's good. But we need to know, and John is communicating to us here, God wants to, he wants to have an experience with you. He wants you to experience him. The, 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 the word that John uses here is manifest, and we're going to get to that in a second. But I want you to know that God wants you to experience him. And every single thing that has happened in your life, that's why you shouldn't regret anything that you've gone through, anything that you've been through, anything that you've experienced in your life. It is all pointing in one direction, that a God who is in complete control wants you to experience him. And God will do whatever he has to do to get you to experience him. The word manifest, the word it uses when John talks about it, he's not just saying that we experience him. It, it, he goes on to say that it was made manifest to us. That word is a word synonymous with intimacy. That God wants intimacy with us. God wants intimacy with you. God wants to be intimate with you. This, hey, how you doing, Jesus, in, in passing, this, this relationship is, in passing is not going to suffice. That is not enough. And God will do whatever he has to do to have intimacy with you. And, and there, there are some of us in this room, and I, and I was certainly at this spot at one point in my life where me and Jesus just had a, it was just in passing. Hey, Jesus, how you doing? I, I, would, I would talk to him a couple times a week, uh, sometimes uh, definitely on Sunday mornings while I was at church. I was already there uh, in the church I grew up in. Uh, we, we were... Uh, Early on, anyways, we were in church for, you know, anywhere from uh, three to nine hours. Um, and so I was like, well, I'm, I'm here all day. I might as well talk to him, right? I might as well talk to him. And so, hey, how you doing, Jesus? It's, you know, I, I just wanted to speak. Uh, I'm going to be here long enough anyway. We might as well speak. I might talk to him another time later on during the week. But our relationship was a relationship in passing. No intimacy. Now, we were cordial. I didn't have a problem with Jesus. And most people here, you wouldn't be here if you had a problem with him. But I would, I would venture to say that most people have a passing relationship with Jesus. A cordial, cordial, mind you, but passing relationship with our Savior. You speak to him when you see him. You, you'll see him at Walmart or whatever. You don't have a problem with him. You talk to him a couple times a week, but there's no intimacy there is no intimacy, and I want to let you know that if this defines your relationship with God, he is unhappy with that. He wants more. He wants more. He wants more. He wants intimacy with you. He wants to know you. I, I mean, be your, as kids say, your BFF. Is that, is that still? Uh, you, you too old. To, uh, no? Okay. What would you say? Is BFF, how do you? I'm sorry, I mean, put you on the spot. How old are you? Nine. You're nine. BFF, is that? 
Okay, good. See, straight from a nine-year-old, it is truth. I was right. I am accurate. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, but God wants intimacy with you. I mean, he wants to know you. I mean, really, really know you. The Bible says that he has a desire to know you and be known of you. Paul said, oh, that I might know him. This is not a casual thing, even as Paul, the way he is, you can just hear him and see him. Paul says, oh, that I might know him. Know him. I I, want to know him. And God, this is what God wants. Intimacy. And everything that happens in your life is a design by God, a purposeful move by the Savior to push you and nudge you towards intimacy with him. And if you have this relationship with him in passing, you're cordial with him, that's good. But he wants to go to the next step. He wants to go to the next step. The word that it uses here is manifest. John John said that that God, he made, made those things manifest to us. That word is a word synonymous with intimacy. And so we we have kids in the room, so I'm going to be very careful. But uh, uh, intimacy, we we, we think intimacy, we always think the same. It's mine in the gutter. But intimacy is so much more. Okay? And so don't let that word scare you. Don't let it offend you. But God wants to have intimacy with you. Okay? And that word intimacy, uh, even, uh, even in these terms... You know, if you know, and I'm not, of course, with your kids, I'm going to be very careful. But if, when you are being intimate with someone, you are willing to and determined to remove certain things that are in the way. Okay, and that's all I'm going to say about it. And if, and if that doesn't make sense to you, see me after church. Uh, you have a real problem. Uh, and and, and I, I want to pray for you and lay hands on you if that didn't make sense. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping by the smiles that that made sense. All right, so I'm going to go to the next step. And so with intimacy, you just you are willing and determined to remove whatever is in the way to get even closer. And God, the God, this God who wants, who wants to manifest himself to you, who wants intimacy with you, he is willing and determined to remove whatever is in the way to get closer to you. And he is in the process of doing it. I I, I want you to know he is trying to unbutton your temper. He is trying to take off your anger or your uh, lust or whatever these things are that, that, that separate because sin separates. Sin by nature is not really about evil. What makes sin evil, sin in its core definition, isn't really about evil. What what, what makes sin evil is separation from God. Is that sin creates separation and distance. That is evil. That is what makes sin evil. That when we sin, if this is God and and I and, you know, and of course me, I'm standing here, if 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 sin in its definition just does this, it just nudges me away from God. And so God wants to remove everyone in this room. I don't care who you are, young, old, black, white, doesn't matter. Every single person in this room, there is something 
There is something that is trying to wedge its way between you and God. And if you're going to achieve intimacy with God, number one, you need to know what that is. What is it in my life that is trying to wedge its way, squeeze its way uh, between? I was, me and Tessa, uh, we were uh, in the living room the other day, and my niece came and she was jealous of the fact that we were hugging and she wanted in on the hug, okay? So she, this is what she did. We, she, we, we were pretty close and she's two and she came and just did and did this number here. And before we knew it, she was right in between us, ruined the whole moment, <laughs> ruined the whole moment. I love my niece. She's not here, but it ruined the whole moment. But, but what she did, it was just, it didn't happen all at once, Okay, she just little by little just wedged her way until she stood right smack dab right between me and Tessa. And that is what the devil wants to do. It's not going to happen in one day. He doesn't want to separate you from God in one day. But just little by little, he just wants to inch his way between you and God until he is completely between you and the Father. One of the words uh, that John uses here, we, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. We touched him. That cannot happen when there is a certain amount of space. When John is saying, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. He's saying, I was close to him. I was close to him. And you, you think about that word, touching, close enough to touch. How you have to be within arm's reach at least to touch. And God, I, I say all these things, but the, the bottom line is God wants intimacy with you. And it would behoove you. You need to ask yourself, what is it in my life that is trying to separate me from God? And then deal with it. Now, God, in wanting to have intimacy with you, he is going to try to, he is going to take measures to remove it himself. But when you have real, uh, I would say real maturity in your relationship with God, God doesn't have to remove it. You say, God, I, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and take this off myself. God, I'm going to go ahead and deal with this anger myself. God, I'm going to go ahead and, and deal with this lust, this uh, whatever it is, this gambling, whatever it is. I'm going to deal with it myself because I too want intimacy with you. It goes on to say in the third verse, uh, if we can put it back up. It says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have fellowship. Now, it says, that's the next step. Now, we experienced him, but what is the next step? We proclaimed it. John said, we talk about it. There's a reason I'm writing this letter because I want to proclaim it. I didn't want to just experience it and not tell anybody about it. And there is this tendency within the body of Christ to just experience him on the sly. To just have a, a lot of people in this room, uh, if you're anything like me, uh, some of you have a down low relationship with Jesus. A down low relationship uh, that, that might not be relevant you would have to know who R. Kelly is. Uh, you may not know. Uh, 
uh, what, what I'm saying is, is that having a relationship with God that you don't really care for other people to know about. Okay? And, and that might define you. If that defines you, I want you to know that we need to push past that. We need to proclaim it. Why is it so hard to talk to people about Jesus? The main thing that we need to talk about, the most important thing we can talk about, the best thing that we can share, we don't. We, we have no problem going to a good restaurant and then putting it on Facebook. You do the thing where uh, it shows your location. Why you would do that, I don't know. Uh, let everybody on earth know where you are so they know where you're not. Okay, Uh, you'll never see me do that. Okay, Um, you tell people, oh, I'm I'm, I'm right here. I'm at Applebee's or I'm at Chili's or this this is where I am, you know, and and you have a a good experience and you tell people about it. It's crazy to me. It's it's, I, I can't fathom it. We have no problem telling other people about a good restaurant. We have no problem, no problem at all. Nobody gets offended. We start talking about movies start talking about good movies and hey uh you know tell me about that movie you saw when's the last time you saw a good movie nobody in here would be offended about that we have no problem talking about that yeah i'll tell you the last five good movies i saw nobody has any problem that but why is it when it comes to sharing jesus that there is this problem and then we start to say things like well if uh you know, I don't have to, I don't have to, uh, I don't have to share, I don't have to talk about Jesus for people to know that uh, I have a relationship with him. I don't have to talk about him for people to know I love him. You don't say that about the Gamecocks. You are very, very interested in sharing and sharing, and that's good. And, and I'm not telling you to not share about those things. If you want to sit down with me, I'll be happy to tell you that the best show on TV, this is us. It comes on, what is it, NBC? Is it NBC or CBS? We don't know. It doesn't matter. But it's the best show on TV. This is us. I have no problem telling you that. I'll give you a rundown of the best three movies in the last five years, uh, of the best three movies uh, of each year in the last five years. I can tell you, no problem. I don't even, I don't even need to get online or anything. I, I know I'm all on top of my head. Now, I have no problem sharing these things, and there's nothing wrong with sharing these things, but I can't share that and, not, and then be afraid to talk about Jesus. What is it that makes, and the devil doesn't care when some of us have such pointless conversations with people, just just conversation that goes nowhere, meaningless conversation. The devil doesn't care how much you talk about movies and you talk about sports and you talk about TV and all this kinds of stuff. He doesn't want you to talk about Jesus. And whenever you go to talk about Jesus, you'll feel him trying to do that. And, and it's awkward and it's funny. And it's just, and it's, ooh, I don't, I don't want to offend them. You, you talk about the Gamecocks, you're not worried about who's offended. You don't say, oh, I don't know, maybe they're Clemson fans. They're a Clemson fan. They might get all funny with me. They might not talk to me no more. They might delete me on Facebook. You know, you just, you just talk about the Gamecocks. And just let the chips fall where they may. Go Gamecocks, by the way. Lead eight. Ooh, all right. 
All right. I like the Gamecocks. But, I, but I'm going to talk about Jesus too. <laughs> okay? I love Jesus too. And we need to fight that. Talk about him. Proclaim his name. The, uh, the Bible talks about making his name great. And we must make his name great. What is Jesus waiting on to come back? If you read your Bible, you would know that the Bible says that that the Christ will not return until the glory of the Lord covers the earth. Covers the earth. When the glory of the Lord has completely covered the earth, Jesus will come back. And if we want to hasten that day, we will make his name great. We'll talk about him. We'll spread his glory. Talk about Jesus. And the the scripture lets us know in verse 3, it says, why do we proclaim it? Why do we do it? Why does this matter? It says, which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Why? So that we may have fellowship with us. So that there will be fellowship. True fellowship comes from sharing the name of Jesus. Talking with one another about the name of Jesus. True fellowship comes from that. There's a certain fellowship, a certain connection that can only come when we talk to each other about the name of Jesus. When we talk to other people about the name of Jesus. True fellowship comes from that. I was downtown on uh, whatever night that was they played. I want to say it was Thursday when the Gamecocks played. It was, it was Thursday. Um, whichever night, it doesn't matter. Murder and Friday. I... I um, Test out a softball game. I didn't feel like going to see more softball at that point. And so, I'm just kidding. The Gamecocks were playing. I, I really wanted to see this game to see if they could pull it off, which I didn't think they would, by the way. I, I got to be honest. I, I really didn't think they would. They, they did it. Um, but I was, uh, I was there at this restaurant with a, a longtime friend of mine from college, and we're sitting there in the middle of this restaurant. Okay, and the game just ended. I texted Tessa and said, I'm coming home. The game just ended. Um, she was on the way back home too. And this guy who is like, he was one, two, three. Uh, I want to say he was two tables down from me, roughly. He, in the middle of the restaurant, for no reason, he said, game. <laughs> and I looked at him like I nudged my friend. Like, oh, we, we, we got a live one. Uh, and, and my friend was right here. And he, he said it, and I just kind of like, you know, and just moved on the other side of my friend to just create some space. I didn't know what he was going to do in that moment. And like, nobody responded. He said, game. And somebody realized what he was doing, and they said, cocks. And then he said it again. He said, game. And then the whole restaurant said, Cox. He said, game. And the whole restaurant again said, Cox. This went on for two minutes. It was game. Cox. And after I, after the initial awkwardness, I said, Cox. 
it's, it's really awkward at first, and I moved away from them, and then I saw what was going on, just the fellowship, uh, just in that moment, I was like, oh, the whole restaurant's on the same page, this is cool, he said, game, I looked at him, for the first time, I made eye contact with him, I wouldn't make eye contact with him before, but then, at, then as it went on, about a minute into it, I looked at him, I said, game, no, he said game, I wasn't going to say that, <laughs> He said, game. And I said, Cox. He said, again, he said, game. I said, Cox. And the whole restaurant is just the fellowship in that moment. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful in that moment. Everybody was on the same page, one accord. And what was happening, it, it was just this beautiful moment where we were all thinking the same thing. And we were all cheering and chanting the same thing. It was this beautiful moment, which we were semi-connected. But I want you to know, and even biblically, that true fellowship, true fellowship comes when we talk about the name of Jesus. And that moment, though I enjoyed it, shied in comparison to what should happen when we come here. And that some people who are all on the same page and have no doubt about who number one is are all on the same page and we lift up together the name of Jesus. We see a picture of this in Isaiah 6 when uh, the, the Bible says that Isaiah was in the temple and there were the seraphims and they called out one to another. They said, one to another. They said, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And then the other ones would say, the whole earth is full of his glory. And they called out. The Bible says, one to another. And the Bible says that the Spirit filled the place. Filled the place. The Spirit of God, it, uh, I, I want to say it even says that it shook the place where they were in Isaiah 6. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they were sharing that moment. That made the Gamecocks moment at that restaurant look real sorry. Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. This is true fellowship. This is true fellowship. The Bible says that the seraphims said, not to God, and that's good, but they said one to another. One to another. One to another. There's nothing wrong with saying it to God, but one to another creates fellowship. And they said it one to another. We don't mind telling God how good he is. We just don't want to tell anybody else. But if you would get over yourself and, and, and take yourself off the throne, you would say one to another, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. What a mighty God we serve. How awesome he is. I want you to know that this word fellowship, this word fellowship, we, we talk about we proclaim so that, it, and it says in the third verse, you don't have to put it up. Uh, it says that we proclaim so that there will be fellowship. But this word fellowship, it's different. It's not like what we grew up with. I grew up in a church where there was a fellowship hall. And in the fellowship hall, it just mean it was just really the eating hall. It just meant that we would sit around and eat and talk. 
and just eat and talk until your plate was empty or you got full. And then you would get up and put your plate away and you would go home. And so I grew up just thinking that fellowship, if, if, if I have fellowship with you, I've shared a meal with you. I grew up thinking that. I was, I was the definition of fellowship. If, I, if, I, if we haven't eaten, we haven't had fellowship. Okay? And that, that was it. We just talk and eat and laugh, and, and that's fellowship. But biblically, it, it goes a lot further than that. This word fellowship, it actually mentions it four times. First John is only 10 verses long. Four times John says fellowship, fellowship, fellowship. At the risk of boring you or offending you, I'm going to say it again, fellowship. Four times John mentions it in the first chapter, which is only 10 verses. Four times in 10 verses. It's actually four times in the first six. He says fellowship, 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 fellowship. Okay, so we're not going to look past fellowship. All right? But the meaning, the, the word is a Greek word, koinonia. That word, we, uh, it, it is a two-part word, um, the first part of that word, and we're having to break it down in two parts uh, because we don't have an English word that means fully what it means, and so we have to break it down in two parts. What that word means is intimacy, okay? Intimacy. That we as the church, if we have fellowship with each other, we have intimacy with each other. But that word intimacy, it is a word that means Social, and don't be weirded out, social intercourse. Okay? It just means that we are this, this idea, social intercourse, that it's not a nasty thing. It just means that there is a high level of intimacy, one with another that we have within this body. And that is fellowship. That is the connection that the church should have. The devil does not want us to have that. The vision for this church, if you you ever want to know, it's family. Family, that is the vision for our church. And that everything that we do and and the way that we approach, everything that we do stems out of that. As the Bible says that we are brothers and sisters. We are part of one big family. The Bible lets us know. And so within that, we have very close relationship. We have intimacy one with another. This is fellowship. And I want you to know that if you are in this room and your relationship to Radius White Knoll is limited to coming on Sunday morning and listening to some good singing and some really good preaching and then going home, if that's it, you haven't achieved fellowship. And I want you to know that if that's all you've done, I don't care how much you give, the devil's right where he wants you to be. You're right where he wants you to be. Because you don't have intimacy with anyone. The body of Christ is this this closeness, this interlocking. We're a body. You know, if if I go, you know, you can't say, well, oh, we're close. I have closeness with. No, but is there intimacy? Someone should know about what's going on with you. For every person in this room should be another two or three people in this room who are intimately involved in your life and know on a deep level what's going on with you. And if you don't have that, close the gap. 
Pick some people. Start spending time together. And say, hey, these are my flaws. These are what's, this is what's going on with me. It is this thing in the body of Christ where we come together and we have closeness, but we don't have intimacy. It is intimacy. Closeness isn't good enough. To be close, that's not a body. That's not connection. That's not good enough. If I, I went to the doctor the other day, I very seldom go to the doctor, um, uh, but I went uh, the other day uh, under some pressure uh, from somebody. Uh, and so I went to the doctor. Now, if I go to the doctor and I walk in and my hand is close to my wrist, if it's close, if it's close, it's, it's not on it, you know, but it's, it's close, he, he might think something's wrong with me. And I can't tell him, well, it's close. It's close. You see, it's close. It's close. No, 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 no. That's the problem. The hand is amputated. The hand is amputated and it has no connection with the rest of me. And you can pick a part of the body. Pick a part of the body. If you cut it off from the rest, it will not live. And this closeness that you may have with, if, if you, and, and it doesn't have to be this church, but pick a church. If it's not this church, pick a church. Pick a body and get in and have intimacy and closeness and connect yourself. There is no part of my body where if it is cut off from the rest, even if it is close, that it will survive. There is no person in this room cut off from the rest that your relationship with God can survive. You can't live like that. You have to, there has to be the intimacy. It's for us. I need it. I need some people to, to really know what's going on with me. Even know my issues and my faults who check with me and say, hey, man, how you doing? What's going on with that situation? I'm praying about that for you. I just want you to know, have you seen any, any difference? We, we need that. And I'm going to say it again. There is not one person in this room that will survive cut off from the rest. You need the connection to the rest of the body. That allows the blood of Christ to flow through us all. That happens when there is intimacy. You need that. That's why we talk about small groups. Not so we can get our small groups numbers up. It's such a vain thing. We don't talk about small groups to get our numbers up. We're pushing intimacy. And with family being the vision, we need intimacy. The body of Christ needs intimacy. In Ezekiel, the Bible says that... the. Uh, uh, that they looked at the valley of the dry bones. And the valley of the dry bones, God took Ezekiel to the valley and he showed him the valley of dry bones and the valley of dry bones represented the body of Christ. And the body says, the, uh, the, uh, the book of Ezekiel says that there was just a valley full, a valley full of dry bones, non-connected. They weren't connected. They weren't connected. And the Bible says that the word of the Lord, Ezekiel spoke the word of the Lord and the bones came together. We need, we absolutely need to come together. I, I can't say this enough. There's someone in this room right now. You're hurting right now. Cried yourself to sleep last night. I mean, really hurting. I'm just not talking about any vain uh, surface stuff. You're really hurting and nobody else in this room knows about it. You need us to know. We need to know. 
It's not a one-sided thing, so don't think you're burdening anybody. We need to know. That is why if something is wrong with my foot, that signals are sent up to my brain through what we would call pain, I need to know if there's something wrong with my foot. I need to know. If there's a nail going through it, I, I, you know, you walk around. I remember, I, I remember one time I was a kid and I walked around. I was going around the yard and I stepped on a nail. Thank God for the fact that signals were sent from my foot to my head and I went crazy. There was a nail that was almost going through my foot. I was a little dramatic. I was seven. It was about that much into my foot, but it was a big deal. It was a big deal. It, 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 was, it was a little nail. It was, it was kind of a thumbtack, really. But it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And, and my foot sent signals to my brain because I need to know if something's going on with my foot. And I tell you what, the body of Christ needs to know. This church needs to know. There are some people, and it doesn't have to be everybody. You don't have to tell everybody your business. Pick two or three people and, and let them in. Pick two or three people here and have some intimacy. Do you know, like, even though it was a thumbtack, something really bad could have happened if I never knew about it. If no signal was sent and I'm just walking around like thinking, oh, I'm good and start playing basketball. And and I have a thumbtack in my foot. I I say this because I love you. I, I really say this because I love you. You need us to know, but then we need to know. Your problem isn't just your business. What you're going through, what you're struggling with, isn't just your business. Somebody else in the room needs to know your struggles, what you have a hard time with, those one or two things, those sins that are trying to wedge its way between you and God. Somebody else needs to know what your one or two are. You sitting here in this room, nobody else knows what your one or two are in this room. Somebody else needs to know so that we can have accountability and we can pray for you, not talk about you, not expose you as we talked about some Sundays back, but so that we can cover you and pray for you. Not so we can put it on Facebook and, and make a posting out of it and talk about what you're dealing with and have a problem. No, so we can cover you. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers it up. It covers it up until it can fix it. And until it gets fixed, in the meantime, we need to cover it. But we can't cover what we don't know. So let some, please, please, ma'am, please, sir, let someone else in. And that is part of that sin nature where we want to hide our our, our sin. We want to hide it. The Bible says in the book of Genesis when... Thank you, Jesus. In the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says the first thing they went and did was they went and hid, they hid from Jesus. And, and God calls out, the Bible says, that the voice of the Lord walked through the garden and God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? He, when the, he realized he was naked. He realized his sin and he went and hid. And instead of having intimacy when he needed it the most, he should have ran to God and said, God, cover me. Eve, cover me. And even one to another, hey, I need somebody to cover me. 
But the sin nature wants you to run and hide. There's those of you in this room, and, and I used to be one of them, going through it, I used to never talk about the things I was dealing with. Those of you in this room, you're dealing with something right now. You're dealing with alcoholism, dealing with pornography, dealing with anger, dealing with this, dealing with that, dealing with depression. And what is your first inclination will always be when dealing with the sin to run and hide, to run and hide. And God has, but I want you to know that God is calling out to you. Like he, and if that is your case, if God, God is calling out to you, thank you, Jesus, like he called out to Adam. David, where are you? Renee, where, where are you? You're cut off from the body and you can't make it by yourself. Where are you? And if you're in this room and, and you don't have that, you're hurting, you're, you're not going to make it. Connect yourself. It is a matter of urgency. It's nothing you want to go home and think about, oh, I'll do it at some point. If my hand is amputated from my, from my arm, that's a, that's a right now problem. As a matter of fact, I only have, I'm not a doctor, I only have a very limited amount of time. I need to deal with that. Again, I, I just say this stuff because I love you. That is the reason that I talk about the things. I talk about the pornography that, and the depression, all those things that, 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 that wedged its way between me and God. I talk about it. You need to know, and I need you to know. That's it. I just feel the Spirit saying to stop. He's dealing with your heart. I feel the Spirit saying to stop, so I'm going to stop. But somebody, he's dealing with your heart right now. He's dealing with your heart right now. And and, uh, you know who you are. Um, I do want to do this. As the band comes, um, as the band comes, guys, y'all come on out. Um, as the band comes and they start, um, I'm going. I'm going to say a, a, a quick prayer, just an ending. Well, no, they're coming up. Um, this is spur of the moment, so y'all, 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 bear with us. I hear the Spirit speaking, so I'm going to be obedient to the Spirit. Even in this moment, this wasn't planned. So, Tim, what, what do you have? What song do you have right now? Here's my heart, Lord. That's a slower song. Spirit's always in control. Um, while they play, here's my, I just wanted it to be a slower song. Play nothing upbeat and fast while we're trying to pray. But um, they're going to do their thing, and they're going to go into, here's my heart, uh, Lord. And while they do, um, Spirit's dealing with you. Um, I want you to come and. And uh, just have a line here, and, and, and we'll pray. Um, Valerie, my, my prayer warrior, where is she? Uh, Valerie, if you could come up and, and stand here with me. Um, but while they, while they play, uh, if God is dealing with your heart, please, ma'am, please, sir, come up and let's, let, us, let us pray with you briefly. Uh, it's, it's nothing to play around with. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so.
We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.